Let's get ready to rumble! Um, hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that has spent quite a bit of time whinging about, amongst other things, strictly I'm a celebrity and work things before we actually press record. Anyway, my name is Tosin and I am the host based up in a place called Bromsgrove near Birmingham in the UK. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight is Sharon Bolland. Hello. And joining us from London, giving, regaling us with tales of PWC and World Cup sweepstakes, it is Holly Nesling. Hello. Yes. Yeah, Holly, you were just talking to us about how you set up the sweepstakes for your team at work. And from what you were saying, it sounded to me like you were lo- you were totally 100% here for the spreadsheets and not so much for the football. Yeah, I'm pretty pretty hooked on the spreadsheet. It's pretty. <laughs> it's color coordinated. It'll move into the next iteration. It's going to be great. Oh, oh, right. Cool, cool. I think whatever gets you out of bed in the morning, that's why I say <laughs> whatever whatever gets you out of bed in the morning if it stops you talking about matt hancock and qatar good good stuff anyway we so what we usually do on this show is we um go to the cinema and usually watch a couple of things this week there's only really one cinematic show in town so we've seen that <laughs> we stay at home and we watch a couple of things we rate everything out of five and we tell you where we think our money has been better spent this week so the one show in town this week is wakanda forever black panther wakanda forever which in typical fashion whenever marvel releases a movie everybody else just goes yeah marvel we're just we're gonna let you have the cinemas you know for the next two weeks it's yours it's yours no we didn't want to we didn't want anyone to watch a film anyway so so that's i expect for the next couple of weeks that's about the only thing we're going to get in cinema black panther wakanda forever because marvel marvel be marveling and but at home this week um what have we seen i have seen all of the english which is on bbc iplayer which is uh, with um, Emily Blunt and Chaskia Spencer. Um, it's really, they're releasing it week by week on BBC, but you can binge watch if you want. So yeah. I thought I'll watch it all so I can review it. And it's <laughs> straight out of the box on the television. I've, I've heard things. I've heard things about the English. <laughs> and Oracle, look forward to that. Look forward to that. So, and, and Holly, what are you bringing forward? I've watched The Lodge, which... I think I saw on Sky, but I would not like to be held to that because I've lost track of time and streaming services. Yes, okay, we're talking about losing track of time and streaming services. I have lost track of what it is I've actually what is I've actually watched. You know when you have that niggling feeling that hang on, I finished watching something, but what was it? <laughs> You know, you have that niggly feeling in the back of your head, like, I finished watching something, but what was that? I cannot remember what it was that I finished watching. And so there's one of those things I cannot remember. The one thing I do know I can't remember is something called Killer Sally on Netflix, a Netflix what? documentary. And the and the man who's just joined the call, the man who's going to be joining me to talk Wakanda forever and with a background to ma- match is Sean. Sean, hey, how are we doing? Right. Well, okay, yeah, I had to, I don't know, a few few internet problems, well not internet problems as usual, but you know, the old tech problems, I had to use my phone to log in again. So Okay, yeah. Yeah. On the yeah, on the laptop. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well yeah, all good. All good. The question so, on everyone's you... lips is, have you still got a lot of metal in your head? I don't know. I don't know. You better tell me if you can see. I don't know. Can oh, you see? Oh wow. Wow. Okay, okay. Sean Sean's head's just disappeared, but before it that happened, we got a glimpse of Sean's head oh, good lord, that is like Aye, something yeah, yeah. What the hell did you do to yourself? Uh, long story, long story. Sean, Sean has Sean has got has got enough metal in his head to be an extra in Hellraiser. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm one of the <laughs> one of the dudes in Hellraiser, or Frankenstein and the monster from Hell. 
I don't know yeah. why. When I saw those, I thought, yeah, because he's got all his head all stapled round like a. So, yeah. yeah. So oh, okay, was, okay, so they're coming so, okay. out tomorrow, though. They're coming out tomorrow, so. Gonna... So the staples in your head are coming out tomorrow. And okay, so Sean, there is a there is a big story in there that you are being really coy about and not telling us. So <laughs> yes. so so we we will wait, we'll wait and we'll beat it out of you later. Although okay, okay. that might be how you got the that might be how you got the Hellraiser <laughs> head in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so um but tell us what uh, what have you seen at home this week? Okay, well, I've seen a few things when I was away, as I well, well kind of forever, I, and like you guys were saying. It's a job to remember, isn't it, on the streaming it, one? So it's it no, really is, yeah. It really is a problem because I know I've seen a few things, but the one thing that has stuck in my mind that I did see while I was away was was a uh, Red Rocket, which I watched on Sky. Ooh, I have heard a lot about Red Rocket. I, well, the, I'm look, I'm looking yeah. forward to, I'm looking forward to hear because this, this is the kind of thing that, from what I've heard about, it, would either be something that's right up your alley or you think it's pretentious nonsense. Yeah, yeah. So well, the, the director was was the guy who did the Florida Project. So, yes, yeah, so, he did the Florida um, Project, and I, and I think I rated that quite high. So, yeah. Okay, cool. So, so that's the that's the case. So, I'll tell you what, right, Sean, you've just arrived. Um, you've you've just sort of burst in. So, we, I say, we're gonna leave Wakanda forever for a while because it's the only thing, it's the only cinematic game in in town. Yeah. And let us kick off with now. Let's see. No, Holly, it was it was the lodge, right? You said you also mentioned a friend in the family, a friend of the family that you haven't yeah. finished watching yet because they haven't they haven't released the final episode. Oh, it's so close, so close. So maybe next week. Okay, I'll, I'll look forward to that. I'll look forward to that because I have seen the original documentary that told the same story as Friend of the Family, and it's like it, it's it's one of those sort of shows that I'm like, should we be going back to this? <laughs> because should we be dramatizing this? Jake Lacey, are you sure you want to take that role? But um, but anyway, but let us kick off. Let us kick off with ooh, this is an eeny meeny miny mo thing. Um, I'm going to kick off with something I don't have to talk about because then I can run out of the room and make sure I'm not the worst parent in the world and make sure my daughter is still actually happy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to kick off with... Uh, Holly, let's kick off with you and let's kick off with The Lodge. Tell us about The Lodge. Okay, so The Lodge uh, begins with um, a a mother of two children who is clearly you know, quite distressed and it becomes apparent that she is divorced from their father or is separated from their father and he says, I would now like to formalise things in a, in a divorce and she is clearly quite distressed by this. Um, he has a new girlfriend who was not nothing to do with the breakup of their marriage, he's just met somebody else and the the soon-to-be ex-wife is, yeah, say, is pretty traumatised and it becomes apparent that from you know, looking around her house, things that she's quite she's quite devoutly religious, um, and would I, I'd posit Catholic for what what that may or may not be worth, um, and she commits suicide, which obviously is a massive no no, and life slowly endeavours to move on after her loss. Um, now the father is planning on marrying the new girlfriend who is played by Riley Keough um, who it then becomes apparent as when she was younger had had escaped from a cult um, so it's you know you're building up with a lot of you know relative complexity um, the two children are obviously now living with their father who would be um, in I don't know, sort of 
eight and 12 or that sort of age, older children, children. And the family decide to go away to a lodge that they own for Christmas and as an opportunity for the soon to be stepmother to, you know, start building a relationship with the children. And for reasons I've never entirely understood, uh, the father has to go back to work um, for a period and leaves his fiance and his children out in this lodge in the middle of nowhere in icy cold snowy weather. Um, and even prior to his departure, they've had a you know an incident where the, someone falls through the ice on the lake. It's all it all feels pretty pretty sort of dark and I, I find that I find the concept of, of icy cold winters in the middle of nowhere a bit frightening so it begins with that and the father then goes and strange things start to happen uh, I, I think you were saying it, it it all feels pretty dark and I was I was actually thinking yeah. it all it all feels pretty kind of like um it all feels pretty kind of uh 90s thriller Not, <laughs> So like '90s thriller starring Tom Berenger and maybe Sharon Stone. Mm, not good. It, no, not really. Okay. It's so the 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 fiance and the children find themselves there by themselves, and yeah, things start to go wrong. She's um, things disappear. They lose connection. All the mobile phones stop working um the the fiance's dog goes outside and goes missing um everything is and she loses her, her medication vanishes and you have this build-up of tension and is something supernatural happening is there something more to it and you watch a the sort of deterioration of the three of them in this isolated place with no ability to contact anybody else in the middle of nowhere with bizarre things happening and their complete and utter isolation. It's And I can't really say more than that without revealing where it where okay. it goes, but it it brings together the messages of um of religion of of you know what faith means to people and what isolation does to people and trauma. It is a very interesting film to watch, albeit not a very easy film to watch. Right. So, okay. So let's skip. Let's skip spoilerific territory and just get onto what did you think about it? I liked it. I didn't find it easy to watch, um, but and I, it certainly at some points it's a bit slow, but it was definitely. I was definitely glad to have glad to have seen it. Don't wouldn't watch it again, but mostly because once you know, but. Uh, but once you know what's happened slash happening, it's not one that warrants a rewatch necessarily. I mean, might do because there are probably all sorts of things one misses. So I liked it. I would definitely recommend it if you like, you know, sort of semi-horror. Yeah, th horror, thriller, 
yeah, it's it is somewhere on that hor- that thriller, but a horror line as well. Oh, okay. Um, Holly, is it a a film or a series or a? It's a film. A limited, limited one. They've got they like a one-off. It is limited. a film that lasts one hour and forty-eight minutes and was apparently released in twenty nineteen, okay. but I could not come across it at all. I've got IMDb up next to me, so I can check my stats. So yeah, it's so it's clearly been out for a little while. It's been reasonably well reviewed by, acceptably reviewed by others, hmm. and I'd say it was it was worth a worth a worth a watch for a film that has such a, a looming sense of terror. Terror is the wrong word. Uh, be- fear. Uh, uneasiness. Yeah. And is it set in America? What is it set in America? It's it's America. American cast. Yeah, no, no, very much, sort of very like... much America. Very much, you know, very sort of uh, the northwest sort of area. Sort of. Yeah, you know. somewhere we're going out to a cabin in the middle of nowhere next to a frozen lake seems like a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds no. like every that sounds like every horror film from Friday the Thirteenth to, <laughs> to uh, you know, <laughs> cabin in the woods. I don't know oh, why. Yeah do that now i'm just i'm just don't don't go to these places particularly with no additional transport okay yeah, bad idea oh. but i liked it and i'm yeah as i say i'm very glad i watched it i thought the cast was very good so it was um and it was other people so yeah riley keo um uh jaden martell um oh yeah oh and it was richard it was richard armitage as the father oh oh all of a sudden that's where you should have started <laughs> now Sharon's oh, yeah. there yeah <laughs> now I'm interested <laughs> now may I continue yeah, and, he's very, and he's very good oh and the, even though she's not around for very long the mother is played by Alicia Silverstone so Ooh, the, so it's quite an interesting cast okay all right um, so so just just so we could go on, um, I have two questions. I have two questions in my so as I'm running in and out of the room to look after a child. So <laughs> I have two questions. Number one, how many stars? Unless I've missed that, you have not. Okay. Yeah. Number one, how many stars? And okay, actually, let's go with how many stars. And ask my second question. I think it's probably a three and a half. All right, three and a half of that. And my the second second question is. I know we've had this conversation on the podcast and we almost have the same conversation every time Riley Keough pops up in something that we review. But does anybody else think she looks like Drew Barrymore? Yes, she does. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. Good. Just just want to check. I know Sean and I have had this discussion before. I just want to check that mm. it isn't just me. Uh, each time I see each time I see Riley Keough, from certain angles, I'm like, that looks like, she looks like Drew Barrymore. They start wondering whether Drew Barrymore is related to Elvis because Riley Keough is Elvis's granddaughter. So... <laughs> There's definitely that, but there's also a touch of Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah, I, I see think. that. Uh, yeah, but anyway, but she she is her own person. She has her own agency. She she does not only <laughs> exist because she looks like other people. So okay, so so three stars for the lodge. Three stars three for the lodge. Half. Three and a half. Okay, three and a half stars for the lodge. On on maybe Sky Cinema. We're not sure. Yeah, maybe Sky Cinema <laughs> was released in 2019, so it must have been Sky Cinema. All right, it must be Sky Cinema. All right, so that's three and a half stars for the launch. And um, going down to the, uh, uh, let's see, let's see, should I, yeah, that, yeah that, that'll work. Something else that I haven't seen, so I can still sort of like pop out of the room, is Sharon, shall we go to you? And you want to tell tell us about, um, oh, what was it again? 
No, yes, the, the English. English. The English. Now, okay, now I'm interested about this because when I heard about the English and I heard about it and I heard like, you know, Western TV show is a little bit like, it's a little bit, Um, I've heard it's, it's quite, well, not bleak, but stark and and has like bursts of violence and everything like that. I thought this should be right up, like Western, right up Sean and Sharon Street. Bleak, a little bit violent, like, you know, that should be right up Sean Street. So I'm actually interested <laughs> about this. I, I, I'm, I'm really interested about this. So Sharon, tell us about the, the English. Yeah, the English, it's um, yeah, a Western. It's set in 1890. So the end of, towards the end of what we think of as that classic Western period where... Um, all the sort of the indigenous tribes have not been shoved onto reservations. There's still a little bit of um, angst going on. But the story is a an Englishwoman, Emily Blunt, has gone to America to right a wrong. And as the story progresses, you understand that the things you assumed at the beginning are not true and that um, everything becomes a re revealed eventually and you do discover what this wrong is. But initially, she's on this mission to right a wrong, and she has heard that the person who has caused this wrong to her and her son is in this quite remote um, ghost town. Almost, it's like a really rickety old hotel, like a is like a coaching station before the railways, and so it had seen better days. And it is run, and she arrives there with basically two saddlebags full of money, and she wants to to use whatever means necessary to actually enact revenge against this person who wronged her and her family. And whilst, when she arrives at this this awful place, run by Kieran Hines as this Otalia, and with Toby Jones as her wagon master, <laughs> um, she finds it's not what it seems, it is bleak, and they have got this um, a former army scout basically tied up and, and looks like he's going to be hung. And as she goes to investigate, why are they doing that? They said, basically, he had this brown man had the nerve to walk into their bar and ask for a drink. And so he was then beaten and tied up and strung up. That, that's Chaskay Spencer. Who, that's Chaskay Spencer. Who, who, who's, who is he? He's Native American. He's Native American, yes. And he plays a yeah. Pawnee who was, an, uh, in, he was a sergeant in the United States Army. And he has basically served his sort of 20 years in the Army. And he's just going to head home. And as a veteran, his dream is that as a veteran, he's entitled to buy a basic buy a homestead. And his yeah. dream is that he's now he's earned it as a member of serving member of the armed forces. So he's going to go back to his home state of Nebraska, where the Pawnee were from, and he is going to buy himself or get himself a homestead against all odds. And these two unlikely sort of allies come together where she sees him in this situation and she thinks, I'm going to go and see if I can help him. And then she becomes clear that the reason she's in this situation is not what they seem, that these people she's met are not honourable and that they basically mean to rob her and do her harm. And he reluctantly basically comes to her aid after a little bit of toing and froing. And then she comes to his aid. And so they form this unlikely alliance and where he reluctantly again agrees that he's going to escort her part of the way on her journey so she can seek out this man who's going to hurt her. She's uh, who hurt her. Uh, so it then gets <laughs> complicated. But basically, this it's a, in a sense, it is a revenge story. She wants to right this wrong. She's going to, by whatever means possible, she is going to seek out the man who hurt her. And so the next episode is basically like 
a bit of an odyssey where in each episode you meet a different cast of characters there's only a couple of recurring characters in the story who become irrelevant all the others are people she just like encounters a bit like you know Odysseus who meets these different people that symbolize different things so in one episode you've got the hotelier who means to sort of rape and rob her then you have like a bushwhacker gang you've got a group of eastern european pilgrims who are like Mennonite who's going to set up their own community she sort of encounters them she encounters this uh, sort of a ranching community so she meets these different people and each different episode reveals a little bit of the past what's led her there and she has a some sort of like this sort of violent catharsis where she begins to understand herself better through obviously this violent situation she's been in so they're there and there's a lot of violence that people get shot and there's a threat of violence where people are obviously she's a woman on her own for some of the film and so there there's obviously that that peril yeah and there's some yeah interesting characters a huge with the race balls in it um tom hughes is in it um as i've said kieran hines and toby jones there's quite an interesting british cast lurking in the background of this of nearly every episode yeah so so obviously Sharon you've done really well so like skipping around and giving us the essence of this without giving any spoilers about this so the the because uh, and another reason Sean why I think that you might like this it's I, I, from what I understand it was shot in Spain yes so it was shot in Spain Dublin for like Montana or something like that um uh, and so, uh, well, I know that it's not—it's not quite spaghetti western, but but, but it, it's kind of like a similar kind of idea. And the but, but when you mentioned this whole thing about like you know a woman going through an area that has like European settlements and all, it is giving me real real feels. And this is this is a week where Tosin just compares everything to everything else. Is I'm not sure if you guys ever saw the film The Nightingale, that was set yeah, in Tan- saw, yeah yeah I saw, saw, saw that yeah yeah sure sure that I. Yeah, that's that's good. That's it. That's it. It's it's a very good them, film. It's... Them fellas, <laughs> I love. I like the way they call them that. You know. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's you know. There's an element of that because it obviously at the heart of the story there is this pawnee man. Yeah. And and the run there's a, one of the themes behind it is like different people seeking revenge yeah. and for different wrongs that they want to right. And one of the side stories that overlaps on her seeking revenge is um, the treatment of a particular native a village. I don't know which tribe it was, whether it was, I don't think it was Pawnee, but it was a tribal village. There was um, something awful happened. And that has repercussions that sort of echo through time and, and has ripples that spread out and affect all these different characters in different ways. So you do see that treatment of uh, the indigenous peoples and how how sometimes they were treated as if they were an inconvenience mm-hmm. and not as people. And so when people are treated like an inconvenience, then sometimes there there are there are repercussions to those events that, yeah. that happen maybe years after the actual event so you do see the repercussions of uh, this sort of event that that affects all the other characters either directly or indirectly but it affects them all in different ways uh, yeah uh, i'm going to try very hard to bite my tongue and stay off my colonialist <laughs> thing because as, as i mean as you guys have as I've, as I've mentioned before on this podcast that the older i get the more colonialism just sort of like looms large in my head and like and i start reading into everything and this is very very obviously that but i'll save my colonialist rant for something else we'll talk about yeah, later I see it on your face i can watch it as you're starting to build up <laughs> but it's, i like it, um, yeah so sharon you're gonna say you, did you start saying you like i like the way this was constructed as well because um I get a bit tired of this modern convention of 
starting in the middle, then going back to the beginning, and then skipping back to the middle, then skipping ahead, and then skipping back. And I was like, just like, just, just tell the darn story. <laughs> and so sometimes you want a beginning, a middle, and an end. Sometimes it's like there's nothing wrong with having a beginning, a middle, and an end in that order. But actually, this one did start in the middle. <laughs> but as you understand her more, you begin to see by them going back into the past, and you see how these events in the past shaped her. In this instance, I didn't mind the way it's constructed that you have the middle, then you flash back to the beginning, and then it carries on sort of more or less in a linear manner. But because uh, yeah. normally I just start around the wall, but this time I thought the way it was constructed and the the each revelation came at a good time where you went, whoa, and it does make you rethink some of the things you'd assumed, or you you have a tendency to fill in the gaps where a lot of people will be see, we all see films and we read and we know the conventions of modern fiction filmatic as well as sort of no literary we know that when someone um has a story of revenge you tend to fill in this to fill in the pieces without being told anything you tend to think yeah. oh I, I expect it's because of this and then as they give the revelations it each revelation makes you you under appreciate it even more so i think it was really well constructed and well written because i think one of there's a lot of the big why people do this sort of jumped about storytelling is because it's pure laziness it's to create a bit of drama because if you stole the story, beginning, middle, end, there actually would be, it's not that <laughs> you, you, interesting. You, you, very, you very quickly <laughs> realise, there's nothing here. There's nothing there. <laughs> so this is the way like, they jumble it up. But this one, I think each revelation is is interesting. And you sort of go, wowzers. So if there's some of the final revelations, you're going, wow, that I hadn't seen that coming. Right. And I thought it was really good. So I actually really enjoyed it. How many stars? I would give it a four. Four stars. Four stars for yeah. the English. All the cast were good. Chaske Spencer was just not that like the noble savage. He was like flawed. He was human. They sort of he was you know like a, a real man. <laughs> I thought that was really good because often you can get the do two different types when a, a sort of a Native American man is portrayed. They can either be like the noble savage. They can be like you know, like a sort of almost like superhuman or super yeah, sexy yeah. or whatever. They have but he's like very very human. And I just thought. Yeah, the writing, it's its very good to, to, to sort to of humanise people when you could just fall into the fact that he's got, you know, the pawny hair and he's got he's dressed in a certain way. You can fall into a certain trap and it's like, no, 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 they've portrayed and he, him. And, and he says way. things like big wampum or stuff like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah oh. They didn't fall into those traps. And the fact that he was articulate, it's like, he's quietly spoken. But he's articulate. It's like he's not speaking in pidgin English. It's like, why would he? He's been in the army for twenty years. So yeah. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. Yeah, you, know, you would hope that. We hope with the quality that obviously seems to be behind this, they would avoid a very easy pitfall to avoid. So, <laughs> so, right. So, okay. And now let's go over to cinema. Let's go to cinema. I'm going to risk it. I'm going to talk Wakanda forever. Wakanda the big... forever. No spoilers. That's a tough one. It's a tough oh, it, one. It, it's, it's going to be a bit of a. It's going to be. It's going to be a bit difficult to, to have no spoilers. Yeah. But, but I think what I'm going to stick with this, I'm going to say, unless it's uh, that is totally egregious, anything that is in the trailer, I am going, I'm good to talk about. Anybody that they reveal in the trailer that's in this film, good to talk about. Uh, so, Wakanda Forever, I'm going to kick off with this. And so this is the sequel to Black Panther. So obviously this is the God knows when number we're in on the, on the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think we're getting close to 30. We must be about 26 now. There might be about the 26th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We're back in Wakanda, as the title says. We're black with... And the big thing about this film was that a couple of 
probably about a year ago now, we the news came out that Chadwick Boseman had died from from stomach cancer, and he was he was T'Challa. He was the Black Panther. He was the one that the first one was built around. There was a lot of the success of the first film was all around this guy and about the fact that you finally had like, you know, oh, look, an African superhero, noble, royal person. And the big question was, how on earth are they going to continue with this film after he died? And I think even the people in the film, I was listening to an interview with Danai Gurira, who plays Okoye in the film. And she said that she too thought, oh, my God, once Chadwick went, that's it. We're kind of done. But. And the film, I love the fact that the film addresses that head on because they don't, they already said that they weren't going to recast T'Challa. They weren't going to recast Black Panther. They deal with it head on. So Tragic Boseman's dead and this film starts off and from the very beginning, you know, T'Challa is dead. T'Challa is dead. We don't know exactly how T'Challa died. We know that it was like a mystery illness and it, and a big thing, um, his death powers a lot of the film because the film comes up in the aftermath of his death. What happens? Because some people now think, oh my God, there's a power vacuum in Wakanda. So we can go, because the whole thing about Wakanda is that it be, at the end of the first film, they reveal that they have vibranium. They've re they reveal they have loads of vibranium, which is the most powerful, the most sought after element in the world. And they say, have all these different people who are trying to go for a power grab, a land grab on, on Wakanda to get his vibranium. And it's about how Wakanda is like fending that off. His mother, Queen Ramonda, played by um, Angela Bassett, she takes the throne, so she becomes leader. She becomes leader of the country, and it's about how they're fending these things off. His sister Shuri, who feels really, really bad that she, even though she's a she's a scientific genius, couldn't save him. She sort of like she sort of retreats, and she's like going really, really into her into her science and all that. And it's and so a lot a large part of the beginning of this film is all about grief. How do how people handle grief? What goes on with that? And how it goes on with the country and how they carry on going things. And I think Angela Bassett, thankfully, has a lot more to do in this film than she did in the last one. Yes, yes. And, and I think and, and very well. Oh yeah, brilliantly. She is. I mean, you totally, totally. But you're like, of course, she's a queen. Look at her. Look at the. That's it. And 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 Toes, I know. thing, but when when it is a United Nations thing, when she's sort of handling yeah. herself, I think she handles herself absolutely brilliant. I, I really. I I, I think I think she does too. I think she yes. does too. I mean, I mean, there is there's bits of it where you know, with me, my my issue with Black Panther is as much as I love Black Panther, I've always said that Black Panther was something that was made for the sensibilities of black Americans mm. as opposed to Africans. So, and I always said like, okay, cool. The, you have this whole cast, but you look at the cast and it's mostly black Americans playing Africans. And while I'm not trying to deny them that bit of the heritage that they've been denied for God knows how long, at the same time, I'm like, it would be good to have like, you know, a couple of African performers actually based in Africa in the cast. It would be good to have that. It would be good to have like a, a, a better proportion of that. And so, and some of the, and I have the same way you, when you have an American doing an English accent, it, it the, the, there's always like oh, the same way when you have an American doing an African accent, that that oh there's this the, and that that mm -hmm. United Nations scene because it's probably the biggest bit of time where she has while she's doing her Wakandan accent. There were bits where I was like oh that was a bit stagey oh that was a oh right yeah, okay yeah I could I could see you putting that on oh oh no, no, I'm not sure we would say it like that. <laughs> and so there, there were bits of it, but all in all, but but I agree with you that United Nations thing it's kind of like. It's kind of like if she was nominated for an Oscar, that is the scene they would play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I wouldn't obviously pick up on 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 those those sort of little foibles that you were pointing out, but ob yeah. obviously you would much more. But you know, yeah. I really like that scene. I thought, yeah. I mean, it just you know, really, yeah. just really noble, really, really well. Yeah, really, really, yeah. really composed, really, really composed, composed. Yeah, and composed. it's. It, 
and that you get this element because obviously they, there's this whole idea of the rest of the world trying to come to Wakanda to take its resources, which of course obviously set off my colonialism klaxon. <laughs> but I think, but I think in 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 the Black Panther series, they are very much trying to set off your colonialism klaxon. They are very much leaning into that and really they're very much saying, yeah, colonialism, and like so or like a whole bunch of places. It was mainly America and Europe trying to get to Africa to take resources out of Africa. And in that scene, there's just this element of Wakanda is a grown-up in a room full of children. And they they really, and I, I really, really love that. So obviously you have all these things that the film does and the fact that Chadwick Boseman is no longer around means that all the people, they make this film more of an ensemble piece. So all the people who were kind of like in the background in the first film come to the fore. And with the whole Black Panther, that means that it's mostly women. So you have Ramonda, Angela Bassett, you have Shuri, Letitia Wright, you have Okoye, Danai Gurira. You have all these people, you have like Nakia, like uh, Lupita Nyong'o, all coming to the fore. But also in this, while this whole thing is going on, they have this whole, they have this whole thing, which if you've seen the poster, you would know about this. And if you've seen the trailer, you would know about this, that a long awaited Marvel character who nobody thought would ever come to the big screen because he's too stupid on the page comes to the big screen and Marvel decide we're going to go there. And this is, this is Namor or Namor the Submariner who shows up and he comes up with his with his tidy with his with his budgie smuggler shorts and his wings on his ankles and every essentially this is the kind of thing that you know somebody probably came up with in a drunk fueled haze in the, <laughs> the 70s or something but the, but he shows up on screen and the way they bring him into the story and this is this is the thing that with with the with the film that got me shown is that the way they bring him into the story is i, I was sitting out there going is that convenient or is that good storytelling? And, I, I, th and I, there's a lot of things in this film where I'm thinking, is that just convenient comic book nonsense or is it good storytelling? Is that just a MacGuffin or have they come up with a good reason for that thing to be there? And it was, and that, and I, I was sad at the end of the film, sad at the going, was it, it, it? And I think I decided, just I've come down on the side that it's good storytelling. It's good storytelling that they just about came up with a good reason why that is there. While, while Namor shows up, what Namor demands of the Wakandans, what comes up between, like, you know, Namor's um, land, which in the comics was called Atlantis, but now it's called Talokan and um, Wakanda. The, the, the link that Talokan and Wakanda have, because when I talk about setting off your colonialism a lot, they go there because they have, like, they, they, so Namor, Namor's world of Talokan is actually comes out of his his, his story comes out of um, South America from so it's a very Mesoamerican Mesoamerica. and it's very I think it's Mayan. There's a lot of Mayan signature. There's a lot of and it's it's pretty much like having a Mayan culture underwater when they have and I I love the design of the Talokans. I love the way that the fact that it's a different world. I love the fact that they the way they actually do things like like the their water bombs. Their water bombs are I I think it's I think it's just really really well done. I think that there is they there is a conflict that comes up in the film and the way they go about sorting out the conflict it makes sense that that would go that way it makes sense that it would go that way there are a couple of things that when i think about it, i'm like hang on a second but but because nemo is well known for hating the surface world yeah and in the comics and he just he's almost kind of like you know a supremacist he's like an underwater supremacist where he yeah. just wants to <laughs> he wants to wipe out the world because underwater should be the ones who should be in charge and the reason they give for where that comes from it makes me that i have some questions i'm like hang on but wouldn't it just be those people as opposed to be the entire world but but anyway that there's 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 things there there's there's things that that, that you know they can they can ask mm -hmm. they can you, you can ask but I, I totally but, 
but Sean, but, Sean I'm, I'm yeah. going to stop talking. I'm going to okay. take a breath and let you, t- you tell me what you thought. Okay. Yeah. I was just saying that that what you were talking about. I think that was, I mean that. Yeah. I I think that was good storytelling. And what I really really liked is when it came to that, the Wakandans decided that they they were going to stand up to it. I really really liked that idea. Rather yeah. than they were like, yeah. okay, this is where it's going to go. If this is where it's going to go, we're yeah. going to stand up for it. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to take it lying down, even if we we have tried a different way. Yeah. We've we've, we've tried different ways to to put this, but if it comes down to it. We're going to make a stand, you know. We're not yeah, going to I really, really like that because yeah. I think they would. And you know, this, this, uh, yeah, it's it's difficult to say, but it just it just felt right. Everything, you know, like you know, like me, huffy, puffy, toughy. Yes, like yes, I get yes. This, I just thought, well, no, they're they're, they're doing things that that a country the, would do. A country would do. You know, they're not lying down. They're the, not taking it. They're the, saying, the, hey, the, the, they're, they're giving you a reason for all these different things different, to happen. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and I always feel like in Wakanda, I feel like Ryan Coogler, who, who does this, that, that I I feel like whenever he does something with Wakanda, they're almost trying to show you the way they think the world should be. Should the way be, they yeah. think, because there's there's a line in there where they where somebody says something along the lines of, like, okay, Martin Freeman's character, Everett Ross, he shows up again. And obviously he's kind of like the, he's like the, the CIA talk, talk, envoy to Wakanda. Talking of accents. I'm not so sure of his one, but hey. Oh, oh Martin Freeman. Yeah. I, I, think, I think I've heard Martin Freeman do, like, if you've ever seen the TV show Fargo, where yeah. Martin Freeman does like a sort of Midwestern American yeah. accent. And, and with that, so after that, this this seems like a breeze compared to that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I still think he's way better at American accents than Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes, definitely. But never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. That has just made me think, though, when your uh, you know colonialism piece of remembering Shuri calling him colonizer. Yeah, Black Panther. Which I was that was just beautiful. There, no, no, there there is a callback. There is a callback to that in this, which I think is actually really is. Yeah. It, it's funny. It's quite sweet when it, when the callback comes in. So so but he makes this. He has this sentence where he says something like he's like. Look, because everybody's trying to go at Wakanda, he's like, have you ever thought for a second of what they could be doing with yes. the vibranium? He's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like, imagine if we had the vibranium. Imagine what we would be doing with it. And I feel like yeah. with I feel like with 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 Wakanda, they they they're sort of trying to put forward, uh, this is the way the world could work, mm. but in a superhero movie. And and I I and there's long period. Okay, we spoke about another superhero film a couple of weeks ago in Black Adam, where. They always they had all these opportunities to do something in Black Adam that could have been a little bit bigger, that could have been a bit more socially conscious. And then it was as if they caught themselves and they went, "Oh no, sorry, oh we're getting a bit deep there. Quick, knock down a building." <laughs> and in this film, there's periods of time that you're sat down for and I just kind of thought, "Hang on a second, no action, no actiony thing has happened for quite a while, and I don't mind." I am happy with these characters mm. and them talking about their different approaches to things and the philosophical thing and this person going through grief and what do you do with that and what happens. I'm actually, I'm like, I'm happy with this. Is this is this is grown up? <laughs> this is quite so, grown up. I, I know one thing when I saw. It, I mean, I saw it in in that 4DX thing with you have yes. like the smells and the things and all of that. But I was going to ask you one thing with with the Wakandans. I guess you call them Wakandans, yeah. and and they've obviously got different different tribes i mean was that like pan-african tribes because you know with different or or you know you know that's always been the thing that they've done with with, yeah 
with Wakanda. Yeah. Wakanda, it's is um, because obviously people have complained, and obviously with me, I'm I'm, I'm definitely one of them. Complained uh-huh. about the, the like the accents and all that, and trying to see what they're doing. Like you know, Chadwick Boseman when he had T'Challa's accent was. As far as I was concerned, a Nelson Mandela impression. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. And then and then you had Umbaku, Umbaku, who was obviously Nigerian, and you had all these different people. I mean, Lupita Nyong'o finally, finally got to use her actually her own accent in a film, and so which is which is Kenyan, and it's um so and I I went from having a problem with that to going no Wakanda is essentially Pan Africa. Wakanda yeah. is is like a representation of. Africa, like all of Africa in one country. Yeah, that that's great. That's what I thought. That's what I yeah. thought. And, you know, and I think they, I think that's what they're going for. Yeah. That, yeah. Like there's a bit they have a there, there's a funeral scene in this film. And the funeral scene, the fact that there's there's elements of that that's straight out of Ghana. The fact everybody's in white. Because in, in Ghana, you go for a wedding or you go for a funeral, everyone wears white. <laughs> so it's like and it's it's um so yeah, th- there's things about it, but I just I was just really, really happy with the way they did it. I feel like yeah. this time round because the first film had a big burden of representation on it and i feel like this time around the second film it it carries the representation a lot lighter it carries Mm. like what kind of just feels like a place as opposed to like you know an icon so that's supposed to mean something but the but they've but speaking to the guy who plays namor who's tenokweta mehia who is actually of um he is of uh He's Mexican, but he's he, but of Native Native American, Native American Mexican. Yeah. Um, like I think As, he ha- he's he's he's, he's, thing, he's yeah. essentially Mayan. He's essentially Mayan, and so they speak a lot of Mayan in the film, and he talks about people who, like the kind of response that this has had for people in that, and I think it's, it's quite good. There's a question about whether they couldn't just do something that was actually Mayan as opposed to make Mayan into another culture and like, you know, appropriate all the Mayan stuff for this underwater kingdom. And I don't feel I'm qualified to talk about that. I think I need to speak to an actual Mayan about that the same way I would hope like somebody would speak to an Afri- African like me about the stuff in, in yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. But in case it isn't obvious, I really, really like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and in case it isn't obvious, so did I. So did I. Um, no surprise. No surprise. Didn't get that at all. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I thought it was. I thought it was incredibly well done. And also, what I really liked is, I thought it was an incredible tribute to Chadwick Boseman as well. And I thought they 100%. did that. I thought they nailed that. It was so good. It was almost. In fact, it was quite emotional how they did it. It, it, was, it was. It was. It's, it's the most emotional yeah. I've been in a film for a long time. One hundred percent. They yeah. nailed it. They. They, it's, they, it's uh, like... they did it so well. They did it so well, didn't they? Yeah. So 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 expert. They, yeah. They. they, they they did it so well because when they're talking about what T'Challa meant to Wakanda, there's sometimes mm-hmm. where you can think like they they sound like some of the eulogies people were given to Chadwick Boseman and what he meant to Hollywood and what yeah. he was what he was building in Hollywood when he died. And it's it's I, I just think that they've done it so well. And yeah, I got that, quite I got quite emotional. Really. I, I got quite <laughs> but, emotional. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite because, quite cleverly done. Yeah, and 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 I think I think that, I cried for over the death of it. Made I cried when he died. I felt yeah. so bad about it, and I always think that's a bit stupid. You don't really yeah. understand crying about people you don't know. So yeah, and yeah, and just to say, with Sean's background at the moment, I, I've just realised what it is. So it is Chadwick Boseman at the premiere of Black Panther beside a picture of Letitia Wright at the premiere of Wakanda Forever. And she is wearing a suit in tribute to the suit that he wore at the premiere. And I'm just... Hey, I'm, I'm starting, start, start, start. yeah, shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, was, I know, I no, know. Sure, sure, I'm with you, man. I'm, so, I, I'm, I'm starting to get teary-eyed. And the thing about it is, I don't know why. I, I, I don't know. know. It's like, it's, so now you said that, I know what you mean. It's like, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, and I think that the whole film is kind of like, the, the whole film, it, they know what they're doing and the fact that yeah, they just yeah. used, and I think that there is a parallel to be said about the fact that they used Chadwick Boseman's passing as a way to elevate a whole bunch of other yes, characters. Yes. And from everything that you said about his character, about his career, it seems like he used his career in the short time that he was in the spotlight to use it to elevate a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, yeah. If you if you want to know about that, read about what Sienna Miller said about her paycheck on the film 21 Bridges and um, how he took a pay cut so that she could get paid more. And it's like, uh, but anyway, let's anyway, move off. Four let's stars move, for me. Yeah. Four stars for me for Wakanda Forever. Loved it. Uh, want to see what they do more with this thing. Yeah. Sean? That'd, you... that'd be really good. Yeah, yeah. No, totally agree with you all the way, Toast. I'm, I'm just going to go the, the bit. The bit I like, I quite like the general in this. You know, the general. Who's the actress Okoye. that plays? Well, Okoye, Okoye, yeah. yeah, yeah, Dan Aguirre. And, and there's a bit like with when she's got the car and she's, you know, when they're, they're trying to find the youngster. But it just reminds me going back to, I think it must have been um, Black Panther, or it might have been Winter Soldier, where there's a scene with 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 Black Panther and the general, but they're dressed in civvies, and Black Widow comes up in the car and he goes, oh, I'd like, oh. and he goes. As much as he just does that so well, as much as I would like to see that, I don't. You, you know the <laughs> yeah, scene I mean. I know. I know the scene. It's it's yeah. in it's in Winter Soldier Winter where he's Soldier, where yeah. he's walking out of like <laughs> some sort of like UN thing and he walks walks yeah. to the kind of and it it isn't actually the general. It's Ayo. It's oh, Ayo. Right. The, oh, sorry, it's like the second it? in command yeah. Ayo, who is played oh, right. by Florence Kasumba. Uh, Florence Kasumba, and this that's the first time you see the Dora Milaje on on screen, and black and Black Widow is standing in between his car and him, and she goes move. Move, or be yeah. moved. <laughs> and he's like, as much as I would like to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it's anyway. yeah, I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. But I just I think I Frank think Wakanda. I think Wakanda is a good thing. I think Ryan Coogler's doing a really really good job. I'm looking forward to what they do next. And all I'll ask is just please give me more Africans in the film, <laughs> in, the, in the cast. That's the only thing I would. That's only that's my only note. But I think and there's so much more we have to talk about that we haven't yes. even touched on. There's yes, Riri yes. Williams in the film. There's Oh, we could we could we could do a whole we could do a whole whole show on we, it. We could be here we for will. we could we yeah, could be we here could. for an hour. But yeah. I, I, but I I just thought I think from the recent from recent Marvel movies this is by far head and shoulders above. It's head and shoulders above Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness Thor. above Thor: Love and Thunder. This is this is this yeah. is the best film that they've yeah. done for a yeah. while. For Probably a while. since Spider Man: Far From Home or No Way Home rather. Um. So yeah, that is it. Four stars for Wakanda Forever. Four stars for me. Yeah, that's two. Brilliant. Good All right, one. cool. And now, um, Sean, I, I mean, you know what? I'm going to leave my TV thing off the table for this week yeah. because someone's yelling. You might be able to hear somebody yelling, Daddy. And and Sean, tell us about Red Rocket. I've okay, heard, Red... I've heard good things about this yeah. film. And I... <laughs> what, no, was that? No, no. what was that, Holly? Daddy! Oh, right. No, okay. no, no, no. Sure. Holly, I don't need it in two ears. I don't okay. need it in stereo. <laughs> well, well, you know with me with films, I can go for a brief, brief synopsis and then how the... Fit yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I did a review a while ago with the Florida Projects, which I really, really liked. By the, yep. directed by the Sean Baker. So this, they're not like major films, big blockbuster films. They're quite, but they're like character studies. So this basically is about Mickey. He returns to his hometown, which is in Texas Saber, which is like one of those oil factory towns, typical as you can imagine, Texas, Texas town. And he's a bit destitute, and he, he gets back together with his old wife, or he goes to his old wife and eventually moves in and then he says he says oh you can move in you've got to get a job you've got to get a job and um 
he goes to these jobs and they and he says uh you, you know they said oh you got a long gap in your resume you know what did you used to do and he says well i was an adult film star i was a porn so so he doesn't get those sort of jobs so he ends up going to see some people some other characters to sell marijuana and then he he, he gets back with his wife and and they relate go out to celebrate and he sees this this younger girl and um, sort of strikes up a relationship with it, and it's just it's just a real cat. All these different characters, you know, really no one, you know, there's not a lot of money. It's pretty small, small town, a bit of a soap opera, which um, yeah, it's just it's just really good. All the characters are really really good. You know, obviously there's different situations where you know they you know they get beaten up. You've got the uh, your druggy type dealers. You've got your um, you've got a uh, a mate of his that that really likes him but he a lot wants to be tend to be a you know he was like a veteran and even though he wasn't you know when he gets beaten up in the mall and it's just the he goes around he goes around on a bicycle around this so so the scenery of i suppose a bit like um nomad land and and films like that i really really like those sort of films you know which um which yeah just just all these different characters nothing really really much happens except except uh you know bits here where you as i say you meet different people he goes goes to shops you know and and he goes and sees sees different people and they have conversations and it's it, it doesn't it's not really about anything in particular it's just a it's just a character study of of how people live which which i really really quite like you know there's um as i say the films that i have like florida projects nomadland um and this is, and it's not like, even though he was an adult film star, even though he was a porn star, it's, 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 there's a little cameo there. It's not, you know, it's not seedy or sordid or there's, you know, there is a little bit of uh, what, it's not like graphic or anything like that, but there's obviously the moments where, where you do get those, those sort of scenes. And uh, yeah, it's just a really, really good film about, about people, about people, how people live, and and you know, fairly, no one's got lots of money. Look at little Kemi there, wondering what's going on. So yeah, so <laughs> so just to say, um, it's a it's it's just situations with just just life, just life really. You know, not not too much action. There's a lot of scenery of factories and oil rigs and and the shops and towns and and places and people, lots of people. You know, obviously. Not particularly rich people. There's some unsavoury characters. There's some great when characters. Was, Pardon? When was this made, Shawnee? Is it a quite 20, recent thing? Yeah, 20, 2019. 2019 okay. was made. So, um, or 20, it might even be 2020 or 21. It, I think it, it was. It, I think it, it became, it came out and it was a bit of a splash um, during that whole COVID period where they were still trying to right. sort of eke films out. out. So, okay. I, think it, I think I heard about it 2021, 2020, 2020, 2021. Right. That, okay. Yeah. But, but the thing is, because I know the who plays the main character i can't remember his name but simon rex yes he simon won, rex yeah he won the uh he won like the independent spirit award for the best actor last year like yeah uh, yeah every, everybody was talking about it and th they say a lot of this film la sort of rests on his performance yeah i mean he is totally believable as like a character that in fact do you know one of those characters that is flawed but you can have sympathy with, if you know what I mean. It's flawed, <laughs> not particularly, not particularly. But you can, because he's just trying, man. He's just trying to do his best. You know, he wants to survive. He's like, oh, and he's and he's sort of got to play off all these people, and they they're quite nasty to him, you know. And, and they're nice but nasty to him. Like his 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 wife's his ex wife or his wife's 
mother-in-law's there and she's like well yeah you can st- you, you, know, you know what i mean she sits on the thing and they look at him with disdain and all that but yeah he's 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 uh yeah he's a sympathetic character i think um oh, oh okay okay that's interesting because everything yeah. else i've heard about this character says that he's an absolute like <laughs> like like he, he's like he's I, selfish he only ever thinks about himself he's probably he a bit like whole... me then Tate. <laughs> that's why i sympathize with him i'm a bit like that i think no i was like i what i could i could imagine uh no I, perhaps i couldn't imagine myself being like that but yeah i mean he wants to as i say he's flawed it's what it's what he's he wants to, you know, he's, he's got these wonderful ideas, which he, he, he loves to put into, put into fruition, but, you know, it's just not going to happen for him. Okay, so, Sean, uh, you might have mentioned this already, but I just wanted to ask, so from what I understand, that a big part of this film is about a relationship between him and somebody who is many, many years younger than yeah, him. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. The donut <laughs> and, and a strawberry, and, yeah. Yeah, and how right. he sees, he sees her as his way back to the big time, almost kind of a thing. Yeah, so, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, but so, that's, I mean, to me, there there is that in it, and that's like the the underlying thing why things sort of go wrong for him because you know he spends a weekend away with her, and um, and that's when he gets the idea. He thinks apparently there's this apparently there's a thing they're called suitcase men or something where they live off the earnings of 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 yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah. of of you know like like um, not yep. pimps if you like pimps, but yeah, yeah you know yeah. do it they do it more with like their their, their with porn girls stars, working yeah. with porn stars you know and yeah. um. He sort of he's got this idea that that you know oh it'd be a good job to make a little bit of money you know so mm. but I mean she's to be fair this strawberry she's not an innocent character she's pretty uh, pretty um uh, what's what's the word uh, world yeah, wise you know, well yeah world wise <laughs> world, and, and all that because there's a scene where she's got like a high school oh <laughs> yeah that's right there's the the like the she he gets her to ditch her, her boyfriend who's got like a bit of a rough family like your big fat bold you know with the tattoos drip beer drinking that comes up and decides to give him a little bit of a little bit of a good idea you know what i mean and then there's yeah. he's and then there's these other marijuana sales sellers that uh you know he's been doing some work for that that basically <laughs> rob him of everything so yeah so i mean he gets his comeuppance he gets his comeuppance but it, you know um yeah it's not like i said before it's not it's not seedy or sordid or it's just I think it's a really, really good character study of, of, of mm. all, all people that are in this movie. You know, as I say, it's uh, very much like the, very, very much like the Florida Project or American Honey. It's in that sort of vein, you know. Those, yeah. those and I and I really enjoy those sort of films because, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, I think Sean Baker is he's making that a bit of a of a trademark of his. Yeah. Like just of like real people on screen. Real I life, think, yeah. Real I, think, life. I think a lot. He he works with a lot of non-professional actors. So yeah. most of his films are cast with non-professional actors. So if you ever want to be in a film, just go find out where Sean Baker is and just go hang around. Go find him. <laughs> I, 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 actually, I actually reckon, Sean, that Sean Baker would love you. I reckon that you're the kind of person that Sean Baker would just walk over and be like, how do you get those pins in your head? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how did you get those pins in your head? Oh, well, there you go. That is, that is, that is the story to tell, isn't it? You, uh, I, I, will, I, I will let you into it, yeah. Oh, 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 he's actually going to talk. Okay, I cool. might. No, no, not no, now, not now. Not, not now. now, not now, but maybe later on. Maybe later on. Yeah. Maybe later, maybe another time. So, Sean, how many stars would you give? Um, four stars. Four, okay, stars. four stars for Red yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah. I was about to call it the Florida Project. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 
I, I, I like those sort of films. I like, I, I really enjoy those type of films. Yeah. Did you ever that... see Nomadland in the end? Any of you guys? No, no I never did see Nomadland. No. no I couldn't, couldn't say why, but I no. quite mm. just didn't resonate. No, it's just, it's just like life going on, really. It's, uh, you know, it's not like big explosions or, or anybody yeah. shoot, shoot them ups or anything like that. It's just life. Oh, no, Sean, you, uh, I mean, sorry. Holly, you just reminded me of something. There was something else that I was thinking about this week that everybody says I should watch. And I was like, yeah, but each time I get thrown to it, I'm just kind of like, no, I just, no. <laughs> I, I, I can't remember where it is, but it was something that everybody else is watching. And everybody else says, well, I think even you guys have said I should watch it. And I go, all right, I'm going to, no. <laughs> I can't remember where it was. And it wasn't persuasion. Yeah, but I was going to say, which, which caused me to touch on persuasion, gentlemen. No, oh yes. We oh still have, yes. Oh yes. Yeah, yes, we still yeah. have much persuasion. Sure. Exactly. exactly. I've I've done it now. Yeah, I, I should have kept my big mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> have we hit seven hundred views then? On that I've, one? I've got excuses. I've got excuses. Yes, you were out of the country. You were yeah. in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. I, I, excuse I don't... being what? No access to Netflix. No, I'm right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. yeah but, uh, uh, not, not the most quality excuse you've ever come up with, my dear. All right, I'm going to go. I'm going to change the subject now, and I'm going to say Sharon. Sharon, have you been wa- have you been watching the latest episodes of The Walking Dead? Or uh, I haven't is, yet. Oh, well, I'm hoping where, to catch up on those. This is the bit of the show where I give a big massive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I anticipate watching them all. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. So I think that's everything we're going to be talking about this week. And I think until next week, where we anticipate there will be nothing, nothing in cinemas. <laughs> Although I'll tell you what, I did have a chance to see the Colin Farrell, um, Brendan Gleeson film, The Banshees of Inner Sharon. I've heard a lot of good things about this because it comes from Martin McDonough. I think it's it's, it's him, not his brother, but he, the same guy who did three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh right, yeah, okay. Yeah, and yeah, Banshees of Inner Sharon. And I did have a chance to go see it, and and I was like, okay, let's 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 go. But the problem is, the tickets were nine pounds fifty. Oh. Yes, the tickets are nine pounds. Well, don't staple your top. Uh, don't worry, there's no staples in that stapler. Oh, uh, for anybody seeing this on video, yeah, yeah I, I'm not a bad father, honestly. I, I, well, I try not to be. <laughs> not to do with the stapler. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not just letting my child play with a stapler full of staples. And um, yeah, and, but the tickets are nine pounds fifty. And because I'm no longer in an area where I'm close to either Cineworld or Odeon, and each time I so the view I can just about get away because that's like five ninety nine. But I just. I think I just I was just morally against in these times spending nine pounds fifty to see one film. Yeah, no, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I can understand and, that. And, and even I mean, it's I not heard... like it's, it's not like a huge blockbustery film, is it? It's, it's it, one of those what... ones that you could quite easily wait until. What you see, and, and this is this is part of the existential question because huge blockbustery films, technically speaking, probably do not need my money. They no. don't need my money. They don't need my help. It's smaller films like the Banshees of Inner Sharing that oh. do need my money. So, but for yeah. nine pounds, I couldn't bring myself. And the only way I could sort of square it was I, I was like, I'm not going to see this in a in a chain. I have to go find an independent cinema that maybe probably needs my money even more than the small film does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I found one. So maybe, maybe if they're still on next week, I'll be able to see <laughs> the Banshees of Inner Sharon and let you know. But the fact is, I mean, I don't think there's going to be anything in the multiplexes because of Black Panther. Mm. I I mean, for me with that, I mean, I did I did toy with the idea of seeing that, but. I really think In Bruges is an incredibly overrated movie. And I'm not particularly keen 
I'm not particularly keen on Brendan Gleeson. I don't see what all the fuss is about him. He's another Stanley Tukey, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> well, well the, the, the thing is, I I would agree with you on, <laughs> or like, I want to say in Bruges overrated, but I, I I'll feel like I don't get it. Mm. I don't get what the big fuss about in Bruges was. I feel like it's made for people who maybe have a different life experience than me. Because I, I know people who rave about in Bruges, especially the last line of in Bruges, and say, oh my God, the last line of in Bruges is an absolute genius line. And I heard about this, and when I watched the film, I, and the last yeah. line was happened, and then the credits started rolling, and I was like, oh, oh, that was it. That, 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 was, that was the last line. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it just, it just kind of, I, 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 don't, I don't get in Bruges. I don't get why everybody thinks it's mm, that I don't, genius. I don't. Like for me, for instance, someone like Seven Psychopaths. I think Seven Psychopaths is a much more enjoyable film yes. than In Bruges. Yes. And um, so, yeah. So it's um, uh, but hey. Uh, anyway, I, yeah. be, due to due to lack of anything, we might end up watching the Batches of Inner Sharon next week, and we might actually make good on our on our word and go watch Persuasion, which has I'm trying to see how many, how many reviews that the Sharon's of how many views that Sharon's review of. Um, thing has on on our page at the moment and oh no no it's 695 Sharon it stops oh. but, but, but still Sean haven't and I, quite got to the 700 but Sean oh, and didn't I did you say if it got to 500 you'd watch it yeah we said that 200 views ago we said we said we would watch <laughs> right, that 200 can, views I, ago I can get that those five over the line <laughs> <laughs> this is okay and now I know and Tim, you had to wait until now to get your to get your shout out yeah. just to make sure that you're actually listening. So that yeah. this is this is gonna Shout-out be short. Tim Richards. <laughs> Tim Richards. This is gonna be this is Tim Richards. And this is gonna be Holly flexing that PWC muscle. <laughs> okay, Tim Richards and John Nugent as well, both of them are John has already started listening. So wait, wait. So wait, you know somebody at PWC called John Nugent? I do. You know that that's actually the name of a film journalist. <laughs> He, work, he works for Empire Magazine and sometimes shows up on their podcast. So when he said John Nugent, I was like... <laughs> I think it's highly unlikely that it's the same person. <laughs> but I will, be, I will be asking my John Nugent about this tomorrow, saying, please, can you confirm that? That you are not, you are not the John Nugent from Empire, the Empire Movie Podcast. Anyway, until next week, Gosh, I think I all I have to yeah. say is a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. We will see you next week. Well done, Kemi. You've been a very good girl. Yes, well done, Kemi. Kemi, Kemi.